If you have your Bibles with you today, I'd like for you to turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. I want you to listen to me make a statement. And I want you to just, matter of fact, before I make this statement, say this with me. Would you say, Dear Lord, give me ears to hear what your spirit wants me to hear in this sermon. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to me your word and manifesting and making known your will in my life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Listen to me make this statement and just hear it for a moment. God wants to live in human beings. The story of Jesus that we're just talking about is the story of God coming and manifested himself forever through Jesus in a human body. On the day of Pentecost, when he sent his spirit, his spirit was to come to take up residence on the inside of us. You know, I'm sure that Shep's going to find out very early that Jesus wants to live in his heart, in his life. I've told this story often, but it's the best humorous way to understand this. I love the story of the little boy who went to the doctor and the doctor's listening to his chest and listening to his heart. And the doctor looks at the little boy and he says, well, I think I hear Barney in there. And the little boy looks at the doctor and said, no, that's Jesus. Barney's on my shorts. <laughs> the kid got it. He understood that when we accept Christ, you know, for years we used to talk about giving our lives to the Lord. And we would say things like, I've given my life to Christ. I've given my life to the Lord. And I understand that and there's truth in that. And I'm not taking anything from that, but really... What we do when we are born again, when we accept Christ, is we invite Jesus Christ to come into our hearts and lives, and we're born again by the Spirit of God. So I'm saying that so that you understand God wants to live in humans, and human beings are His living temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now... In 2 Peter chapter 1, I want to read you three verses of Scripture. Follow along with me where it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Now watch this. That through these exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these 
you may be partakers of the divine nature. Now listen to me, not only does God want to come and live inside of us, He wants us as human beings to be able to partake of godliness. He wants us to be able to partake of His life alive on the inside of us, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, and I like this last part, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, think with me for just a moment and listen carefully to what I'm saying. Partakers of the divine nature. Think about it. Divine man, man with the divine nature of God, and God who wants to be human, human God, trying to find each other. I'm human, but God's in me. God's in me, and he's God, and I'm human. How do I understand, and can I comprehend that that's what causes much of the spiritual warfare that goes on? That's the nature, really, of spiritual warfare is God and human coming together. That's also the nature of the kingdom. You have to be born again. The Spirit of God has to come and live on the inside of you for you to even be able to see the kingdom that is coming from heaven to the earth. He told his disciples to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's bringing those things together. Can I tell you this morning one of the most amazing things that I've learned about God? It's shocking. Listen to me. It still shocks me because I'm amazed at how God loves people. Do, do you all understand there's some people here I struggle with loving? I, none of you all have that problem, I'm sure. But God, hear me, loves people. It's shocking. I don't care, listen to me, I don't care what kind of people they are. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's, that's, that's an enormous agape. That's an enormous love that he has. So, number one, I want you to get this. God loves people. Say that with me, would you? God loves people. The second thing I want to say this morning, and I'm just really in my introduction, so hang on with me. The second thing that I would say is, God always resists hypocrisy. God loves people, but he resists hypocrisy. Now listen to me. God doesn't have trouble with sinners. He has trouble with those of us who claim to be his, but don't do it correctly. You understand? He don't have a problem with sinners. But when we claim to be his, and we continue to not do his will, then there is a issue that causes God when you're, the, the hypocrisy is something he resists. Didn't say he hated, I said he resists it. Of course, the third thing, number one, God loves people. Number two, God always resists hypocrisy. And number three, 
I just want to say God doesn't have problems with sinners. Now, I hope God can help me today to say what I want to say. I really want to just slow down, not get in a big way of preaching and say to you what's on my heart to say to you today because I, I, I just, I hope that you have ears to hear what I believe God's trying to say to us as a people, as a church, as a nation, as a world. So here goes. God is sovereign. Listen carefully to this. No one can tell God what to do because God is sovereign. Let me say it again. God is sovereign. No one, no one can tell him what to do. Here's what I've learned, though. Stuart is sovereign. What do you mean? He was created, I'm Stuart, by the way, for anybody who don't know, okay. He was created in God's image. I have a form of personal sovereignty that is deep in my person so that, listen to me, no one can tell me what to do. I'm talking about something that's stronger than your will. Now, now, everybody look at me. I want you to bear witness with what I'm saying. I don't want you to take what I'm saying just because I'm saying it. I want you to bear witness in your heart with what I'm trying to say to you today, but I want you to hear me carefully. Sovereignty, the word sovereign, we are so eager to tell everybody else what they want to do while at the same time we don't want anybody telling us what we got to do. You get around human beings, we love telling everybody else what you ought to do because we know what you ought to do. But we reject anybody trying to tell us we have to do something. So, when God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, there was never an attempt by God, listen to me, there was never an attempt by God to control or to manipulate, manipulate Adam and Eve. He put them in the garden. He gave them the ability to do. They named every animal on the planet. They did things that's beyond mine and your ability to even totally comprehend because of who they were. And God didn't try to manipulate them and he doesn't try to manipulate us. Help me, Lord. God wouldn't try to control Adam and Eve. Found out very soon they were going to go where they wanted to go. They were going to do what they wanted to do. 
And what you and I have to understand is when personal sovereignty is, is, is activated, it is stronger than the human will. When you choose to do something, you choose with everything within you and there is nobody who can tell you you can't do what you have made a choice to do. I want you to bear witness with this. I'm not trying to teach you something that you don't need to hear what I'm saying. If you think I'm saying something out of order, I want you to make sure you don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say. God has never tried to control or manipulate me personally in any way. Now, I'm not telling you that God can't be very convincing in what he says sometimes, and he can't be very straight. He can't, but he never uses manipulation to get me to do something against my will and my sovereign ability to do it. He doesn't force me or demand me to do anything. We are not robots who are down here, and, and you almost say, oh, God made me do it. No, the devil can't make you do it either. Flip Wilson started that garbage. The devil made me do it. No, you did it because you chose to do it. Listen to me. God never controlled Adam. He may persuade us, but he never manipulates us. So, I have a question. In the four Gospels, if you read them, we've studied the Gospels. We specifically spent almost a year just recently in the Gospel of John. And as you read the Gospel of John, one of the things that I have come to understand that when you study all of the Gospels, you find that even Jesus, the sinless Son of God, came to a place in the garden where he had to pray, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, thy will be done. I look at the Gospels and I see four of those Gospels from four different writers because I believe that what he's trying to do is to teach us how we have to choose to surrender our personal sovereignty to God. Now, the last Adam, I don't want to get into all of this. He's not the second Adam. He's the last Adam. He's the second man. But the last Adam came to this earth for one purpose, and the purpose that he came to this earth was to please the Father. A lot of people say that Jesus came uh, to give his, his, his life on Calvary, but I believe that Jesus Christ took his own personal sovereignty out of the question, and he said, I'm going to do always those things that please my Father. And if you look, you'll see God spoke from heaven on two different occasions and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Why? Because Christ yielded more than just his human will. He yielded his personal sovereignty to God. I always do those things that please him is what Jesus said. So let me ask you. If Jesus had to yield his personal sovereignty to God the Father in order to accomplish his purpose here on this earth, if you and I are going to be like Jesus and follow the life of Jesus and do what Jesus did, doesn't it make sense and come to reason that you and I are going to have to deal with this issue of our personal sovereignty with God. If I'm going to follow him and be like him, I'm going to have to yield my personal sovereignty. 
I'm going to be bold right now and I'm going to say this. I personally believe that personal sovereignty, meaning nobody tells me what to do, is trying to destroy our whole society at this moment. On both sides. Don't, don't, don't come to me with sides. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. That's trying to destroy our whole society at the moment. And I want you to understand that I believe the answer to society's problems is... I'm going to build a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against and there's going to be a people who will hear God and follow God and do what God wants done no matter what. I want to be a part of that group of people. Now calm down and quit preaching. I was talking today, not going to preach. Got excited. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to do that. Now listen to me. I am 68 years old. I have a great family. Wonderful wife. Two beautiful children. Colton and Caleb and their kids and all of those God has given me. I have a great congregation of people that I have the privilege to pastor. And after 68 years of living here and being here, here's what I have come to realize. Do you all know <laughs> I can't tell any of them, my family or my church, I can't tell any of them what they got to do. Not one of them. Let me just talk about my family. My family, I, unlike yours, has a mind of their own. My kids think, sorry, Travis, you're here today. Just pay attention. My kids think they have sovereignty. And so do yours. And they do. Everybody who attends this church has sovereignty. Now, let me make something clear. I can persuade, I can appeal. I can love, I can care for them and you, but I can't tell anybody what they have to do. Why? Human sovereignty. See, here's a problem we have. Help me say this, Lord. Everybody look, say, Pastor doesn't want to offend me. Say that. Say, Pastor doesn't want to offend me, even though I may get offended. See, one of the problems that we have in our society is we put ourselves equal with God. 
What do you mean? Hmm. I'm going to ask you a question and we'll see what you think. Would you give God permission to answer if he so desired a Muslim's prayer. Would you? Would you let God do that? Does God have your permission to do things outside of your belief system? So you believe things a certain way, you believe God can do a certain thing, and you have this belief system. Does God have your permission to do things that you don't agree with, that you don't think he should do? Does God have the ability to do things outside your comfort zone? I guess here's basically what I'm saying. Does God have your permission to get outside the box you've got him in? Hmm? You realize every one of us have a box that God's in. What do you say? Well, I believe this, I believe that. And so everybody's box is different. But God, does God really have your permission to get out of your box? Listen to me. When God, oh, When God can only do what you tell him to do or what you only believe he can do, my question to you is, which one of you is God, him or you? Now remember, I told you, God doesn't have a problem with sinners. You have a problem with sinners, but God doesn't. Okay? God has a bigger problem in that he resists hypocrisy. And the problem is most Christians don't realize how big a hypocrites we are. Oh, no, we're not a hypocrite. Hypocrites go to church somewhere else. Hypocrites live in somebody else's house. I'm not a hypocrite. Oh, no, I am the real deal. Really? Ah, help me, Lord. See, here's here's where we are with this. We think that if we let God do something that we don't believe he can do, we think we're compromising. We allow God to do what he wants, and when God wants to do something, like answer somebody's prayer that you don't think he can answer, then then. We think we're compromising our position to believe that God could do something that God wants to do that we couldn't do or that we don't think he can do. Now listen to me. I'm not saying that we should compromise any of our positions, but what I'm saying to you is we need to recognize as a people how to yield to God. There's a difference in compromising. Who do you think we're talking about when when God wants to do something and you want to tell him he can't do that? 
Listen to me. Do I try to compromise? I'm asking myself this question. Do I try to compromise how Christ is going to live in me? Or should I yield completely to Christ? And if he's going to live on the inside of me, should I yield to him and let him live in me the way he wants to? Or are me and him going to have positions of saying, I don't do that. God comes along and Christ says, I want you to love that person and you don't want to love them. You think you're going to compromise your position by loving. God wants you to give something to somebody and he comes to you and says, give them five bucks. And you say, God, I know that person. They're going to go spend it on something they shouldn't spend it on. I'm not going to give them five bucks. Don't ask me to compromise on my sovereign will. But if it's God, maybe we should learn to yield to God. Let me give you one I've heard all my life. Well, now, Pastor Farley, we know that God doesn't hear sinners' prayers. So if a sinner prays, God doesn't hear it. Well, Dodo, let me ask you a question. How do you get saved if he don't hear you asking? Well, but the Bible says God does not hear sinners' prayers. No, you're taking something that a religious dude said who was talking, this, this, this guy, let me, let me say it right, this religious guy makes a statement trying to convince the religious leaders of his day when Jesus healed a blind man that was born blind, he goes and he's trying to convince them that Jesus is who he is and they won't believe him. And his response, this guy's response is, we know that God doesn't hear sinners' prayers, so Jesus can't be a sinner. It's a statement that a guy's making trying to convince a bunch of unbelieving religious people. It's not a doctrine. It's not a statement of fact. It's a statement of what they believed under the Jewish custom. Y'all do understand we're supposed to rightly divide the word. Help me, Lord. See, oh, I hope I got time to say this. God's got a problem. God's got a real problem right now. Listen to me. When Adam sinned in the garden, he damaged his sovereignty. And he damaged all of our sovereignty. We think our problem is a problem of sin when Jesus has cured the sin problem, but we've got to understand that we have to fix this sovereignty problem. And if we don't learn how to let him be God and us be created in his image and likeness and follow him, we're never going to conquer the sin problem. Sin's been conquered. Your problem with sin is your sovereignty. Your sovereignty's been damaged. You think you have a right to do what you want to do when you want to do it. Oh, 
about me. Seven and a half billion people on planet Earth with damaged personal sovereignties that no one can tell any of them what to do. God's got a big problem. Y'all realize that? And it isn't sin. It isn't failure. It's a damaged human sovereignty. So, what are we supposed to do? Well, it's amazing to me that he told us that we should disciple nations. When you ask what he said, he didn't say go make converts. He said that we are to disciple nations. We ought to be discipling people. Well, what should we be discipling people once they're saved, once they come into the family? We need to begin telling people, you cannot do everything you want to do and say everything you want to say and be everything you want to be. You need to yield your sovereignty to the Lord Jesus Christ and to God and let God be in charge of your life. Lord, I want to raise up a generation that gets it, that understands their sovereign will. See, we're, we're in a predicament that we haven't totally understood. Our problem is we take Scripture and use it as our personal sovereignty to beat people up with it. That's what we Christians do. Yeah, we take scripture and use our personal sovereignty to beat people up with it. We don't even realize we do it. Where he said, I feel like I have the right to impose my views on you. If you knew how hard it is for me to stand up and preach some of the things that I have to preach because I'm not trying to impose my view. All I want to preach and teach is what God's word says and what thus says the Lord. Listen to me. Everybody look at me. My view's not always God's view. Do you understand that? All right. I need help being responsible. Let me, let me, let me try to illustrate what I'm saying and I'll close. I've got just a few minutes. Help me, Lord. Human sovereignty. Let me explain it. Five of us want to go to dinner. The first guy speaks out and says, where do you want to go? Where are we going to dinner? He said, well, I'd like to go to that fancy restaurant downtown. The second guy speaks up and says, not me. I want to go to McDonald's. The third guy says, my doctor told me I can't go to McDonald's. The fourth guy says, if we go there, I ain't eating. Ain't nobody gonna tell me what to do. And I've got doctor verification to prove it. All of a sudden, we see something that is so real, so common, we bypass it and we miss it. But it's present in all of us. Now, get this, please. Hear what I'm saying. 
yielding, help me say this, yielding our personal sovereignty is a skill, not a theology. It's not a theology. It's a skill. I've learned that some people can say what God wants said, but they have no ability to say it in a friendly manner. They can say what God says, but they say so much, they have no skill in articulating it to you the way it needs to be said. It's not about theology, it's about a skill. He wants to teach us and help us to surrender our personal sovereignty because, listen to me, as a child of God, I am a governed human being. I don't have time at this moment to teach you, but peace is about government. And if you want peace with God and peace with man, it's going to be a skill that you learn, not having all your theology straight. Listen to me. You can have the best theology in the world, but if you don't know how to talk to another human being, what good is it? If you can't get along and communicate with somebody, with listen to me, with agape, why do you think agape, the love of God, is what's going to bring unity? Because we've got to have skills to know what to do to preach the gospel. Help me, Lord. So I'm saying yielding is a skill, not a theology. Am I getting my point across? Am I, am, am I, am I saying this in a way? Listen to me. I want to hear. <laughs> I want to hear what God wants us to do. But so many people have no skill in telling you the will of God. They push you away. They reject you. They, they, they don't mean to. My wife's told me my whole life I'm defensive. I'm glad God's putting some people around me who can look at my defensiveness and say, it's all right, it's all right. I love you anyway. Why? Because all of us deal with security and self-esteem. God give us skills to yield to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I feel so inadequate. I feel so hindered for knowing how to word express what you're doing on planet earth right now. Help us, Lord, to surrender our sovereignty and learn how to yield skillfully to your spirit and what you are doing on the earth. Heavenly Father, I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you honor. But I'm asking you today, help us to yield to your teaching and make disciples of nations.
I thank you for your word and your power today in this place. I give you glory, I give you honor, I give you praise. We worship you now in Christ's name, amen.